2: Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook and this is your weekend recap. We're going to go over where the various series are in the NBA playoffs. We'll give you some featured lines, uh, leans, where the series is going, uh, all these types of things. We'll look not ahead to the second round yet. We will probably have opportunities for those As we go along, we'll try and get into some props plays from Brandon as well. Speaking of which, join me today, Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst at Wheaton Brando on Twitter. And Albert Wynn, the Analytics Capper. You can find him on Twitter at Analytics Capper. All right, let's start here, guys. I want to start actually, we're recording this on Monday morning. So, we won't know the outcomes of Heat Bucks. We won't know the outcomes of Grizzlies, Lakers. We're going to save those for a little bit. I want to start with a Tuesday slate and kind of look at those. Um, the Hawks and the Celtics. So, we're going to go through this one really quickly. Brandon nailed this with like, he had a best bet on basically the Celtics to make quick work of the Hawks there wasn't any reason that like, I wasn't like, usually when Brandon is like, this team sucks and this team's good. Let's just make it easy. I was not able to get there. I was like, yeah, no, this team sucks. And this team's good. Like, this is pretty simple. Honestly, Brandon, I'm pretty annoyed that the Celtics even gave them game game three. Like I, if there's anything here, it's that I'm a little, like the Celtics defense. I I've talked about this with Denver a lot. The Celtics defensive floor is significantly worse than it was last year last year it was like when the celtics don't play great defense still pretty great defense and this year when the celtics don't play great defense it's not good defense that has me like a little bit long-term concern even if this series is going to probably be wrapped up on tuesday night
1: yeah i think that's a fair concern and i, I had a concern coming into game four as I looked at the numbers, I was like, you know, neither of the Jays is really playing that well right now. And we we know about Jalen Brown has, has base hand that he's still working through. And then both guys had 31. Both guys were great. So I think it's a concern to remember, but also a really good thing. If you can just be dominating Atlanta without either of your two stars even really playing great. I, I'm not saying they're playing poorly, but we haven't seen them play the way they'll need to for Boston to win the title. My takeaway on Boston in that series I think it's a wrap. We talked on our, our Monday, our, our Tuesday picks episode about Boston running away with a 1-2-3 Cancun for Atlanta. There's a key spot here. Between Monday night's games and Tuesday's Boston game, that's your chance to bet Boston futures. Here's why. Monday night, we think that, I think, we'll get to it, but I think the Bucks win with Giannis back. Suddenly the Bucs pull back to 2-2, That makes Milwaukee look a lot better than they do right at this moment. That makes Milwaukee's futures a little shorter on their odds. That has to make Boston's a little longer. That matters. We don't have Joel Embiid news yet. We're not going to get it on Tuesday. We're probably going to get, I would guess, more negative than positive news on Embiid before the end of the week and Tuesday afternoon before the Tuesday game. Boston has not clinched its round yet. The Bucs have to price in the possibility that they might still lose or lose a game or stretch the series out. It's a tiny little sweet spot if you want to get your Boston future in between Monday night's results, assuming that the Bucs win before the Celtics step. Albert, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I just want to look at this game a little or this series more microscopically. I agree with you. I think it's a great uh, future spot for Boston after the Bucks win. That's, that's a good call for sure. You're not going to get that much more value, right? I think Buck. Uh, I think the Celtics right now are minus ten thousand on the series. <laughs> I think if they were to lose Game Five, I don't. I don't know how much that's going to move it, but uh, or before Game Five. But uh, if you guys watch Game Four on the TNT broadcasts, Kenny the Jet Smith had a really nice, very simple but very smart analysis uh, during halftime. But basically, he was like, "Who are the best players on the Celtics? Who are the best players?" the top two players on the Hawks obviously in Boston you have the two Jays, and he had a a nice video recap of three or four plays where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are literally just standing on the corner because their team is so good so deep that their two best players can rest in the middle Mm -hmm. of a game so you have Derek White you know isolating on top hitting a three over your your best defender on the Hawks you have Malcolm Brogdon Taking a drive inside and finishing over your center in in Clint Capella. So you have all these guys uh, with Boston that can really, um, you know, be the number two, number three, number four option on other teams. But because this team is so deep and so talented, these guys, um, these these guys allow their best two players to, to to, to take a breather. So that's my long winded way of saying like. I like Boston's chances moving forward. There's so many unknowns with the top teams in the East. Giannis's back injury, that's going to be lingering most likely, right? Back injuries just don't get better overnight. And then Joel Embiid is, is a potential to get injured or further injured basically every single game. So uh, obviously you can't handicap injuries, but I think Boston's outlook moving forward and getting to a second straight NBA Finals is pretty good
2: with you 100%. This is the best team in in the league. This is the best team in the NBA. They're the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. Um we've been on that consistently while the Bucks were taking over the one seed and everyone was really kind of raving about them and you know, Brandon, I'm annoyed that I am mean, annoyed the injuries in general, it just sucks. It just sucks for us as basketball fans, but I'm also annoyed that like, I don't get to be like, I was, if we had done a pod on the one eights, I would have been like, I would have been with you on my, like my series pick was Miami plus two and a half, like plus two and a half games, plus one and a half games. I, I thought this was going seven, no matter what, because that's what the heat do. And I don't get to like take any credit for it. Cause Giannis got hurt. <laughs> um, I just, I think that the, but one of the reasons I think that is I can think all I want about Miami. And if the bucks were so much better, I wouldn't care, but they're not. And like that matters as we go forward here. So that was great analysis, I thought, by both of you. Um, Brandon, I love the, the piece about when this window is for the East future. So be sure, make sure to look at, if you want to bet the Celtics, your window is about to be absolutely right now, assuming, as we record this on Monday, as we jinx the ever-loving shit <laughs> out of this, that the Bucks win on Monday night. Let's go to my least favorite series, maybe in the history of man, uh, maybe in creation, maybe in the in the span of all sport uh, Knicks Cavaliers. The Knicks are now up 3-1. I am not, I, I can't remember the last time I was this wrong about a series. Brandon was right in every single aspect. Brandon came in with his four factors and was like offensive rebounding and depth. And these two teams are not that far apart. And you want the Knicks. And I was like, that's bullshit and dumb. The Cavs are way better. They should win the series. Their starters are way better. And then JB Bickerstaff coached what I think is the worst coach series I may have ever seen. Like just everything, just rotations, pick and roll adjustments, timeouts, everything. You know how low the bar is for you to get out coached by Tom Thibodeau in a playoff series? Do you know how bad you have to be? Congratulations to JB Bickerstaff on that amazing accomplishment um there's a couple of things that i overlooked that i was wrong on brandon i like i can't just blame jb i will mostly but i will also say josh hart was a factor i did not factor enough in i should have really looked at and been like oh yeah josh hart plays now josh hart's an offensive rebounding monster that's absolutely a factor Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, this is their first playoff series. It's their first playoff series for Chetty Osmond, who apparently needs to play 25 minutes a game. Um, it's a, the first playoff series for a lot of guys on the Cavs. And that's a real problem. It was evident in game one. It was evident in game three. They look shook. Uh, and, in, and honestly, for half of game four, Darius Garland got going in the second half. Um, like the end of that game came down to Donovan Mitchell really kind of falling apart and some rotation stuff. But like Josh Hart, like all those type of things mattered. Uh, I don't think there's any value to be extracted from the series. I especially, I'm just going to tell you like, uh, like whoever comes out of the other series, I'm betting them versus the Knicks. Call me a hater. That's fine. I don't think the Knicks are bad. I've said the Knicks are good this year. They were at one point, they were a top five defense or a top five team in both offense and defense. There was like a little small sliver of season where they were both. Now their defense has completely fallen off, but their offense is really good. The Knicks are a good team. They're not a conference finalist, so I'm going to be betting against them. Um, Brandon, I want the series to die. Uh, I don't ever want to see Karis Lavert or Chetty Osman on my screen ever again. Uh, I think that the Cavs probably need to rethink a lot of things. What's your read on the series? And is there any value you can kind of extract from this series still?
1: Yeah, I'm a little upset. My Isaac Okoro jersey didn't get here in the mail yet, so I couldn't rock it for the uh-huh. podcast today. Yeah. To, to me, I think actually your takeaway from the series, I think you nailed and it's the same takeaway that I have. This is not about the Knicks. This is about the Cavs. Yep. Do, not, do not watch this series and be like, oh man, here we go. Knicks to win the East. Everything's opening up. Milwaukee is injured and Philly is injured. This is not about the Knicks. I think we were right about the Knicks. I think all the things we said about them struggling offensively, uh, all the stuff has been right. They have not scored very well in this series. They just get more chances because right now for the series, they have rebound offensive rebounded over a third of their missed shots and who oh boy, they miss a lot of shots. So that's a lot of offensive rebounds that they're getting. They're winning the turnovers and the free throws calves aren't scoring efficiently, and that's not making up the difference. So to me, I think that this series is actually a little more alive than it seems because It's 3-1, to but we're going back to Cleveland. Cleveland has two out of three home games remaining that they need. Obviously, they got to win all three of them here. Isn't it very easy, guys, to see a scenario where the Cavs get a game five at home? These games mostly have been competitive late, so I think assuming the home team wins is is a good spot to like the home team here. Suddenly, it's game six. Suddenly, you know, the Knicks are up like nine. The second unit is looking great. It's heading into 10 minutes left in the game. It's a seven-point game. It's a six-point game. It's a four-point game. And suddenly looming, like, hanging over Madison Square Garden and all the fans is, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, our guys can't score, and it's getting closer, and we're staring a road game seven in the face where we can't score on the road. We're going to score, like, 70 in a road game seven. Like, I feel like the pressure of we've already celebrated, this thing was won, I think that's a real thing that could come. and. In the third quarter of the game we just watched Sunday, the Cavs made an important adjustment. I don't know where JB was the first, how many is that, Uh, 12, 14 quarters of the series. But finally, he was like, hey, what if we use Jared Allen on screens? What if we use Mitchell Robinson's guy on screens? What would that look like? It looked like a nightmare for the Knicks because Mitchell Robinson was in hell and had no idea what to do. He couldn't drop because Garland was shooting over him every time. He couldn't get out there in time because they'd throw the lob. And using Allen instead of Mobley on those screens, I think found some answers. We're coming home. I think the Cavs are live. I don't know that there's really, like, they're not live enough. that I'm I'm not telling you bet the Cavs. The numbers for me slightly give value on the Cavs, but not enough for me to like it here. But I think there's going to be spots in game. I'll probably like the Cavs game five. And I think there's going to be a chance to still fade in New York in some ways, Matt, you're not going to do it because you're done with the series. But Albert, what do you think about Nick's Cavs so far?
0: Guys? All right. I'm just going to be completely transparent here. Sunday afternoon, already bet Cavs in seven. Um, I think it's a great spot for Cleveland. Um, I think it's actually a very simple analysis. We just went through 10 minutes on why they're down three, one, this is a very similar story to the Knicks two years ago. When they're all NBA performer, doesn't perform, and at that time was Julius Randle, you're just not going to be able to compete. When they're all NBA first-team performer for the Cavs this season, which is most likely going to be Donovan Mitchell, we all expect him to be first or second-team guard this year, which is amazing. At 38-8-5 and five in Game 1 in a losing effort, they only lost by 4. Since then, he's had 17-22-11. In his two games at Madison Square Garden, 12 turnovers. He only made two of 12 three-pointers. And in my opinion, watching the games, it's not like he's being defended that much differently. He's just missing a ton of shots, especially early in that fourth quarter when they were making that comeback. He had three shots that were in and out, literally in the hole, bounced out. So I think there's great value here on that the Knicks to close it out in five or the Cavs to win in seven. So I I, I like the Cavs. I still think that the better team, uh, hopefully JB's going to make some adjustments, you know, no, no, uh, no guarantees there. I know Matt with his <laughs> facial expressions, but I think the Cavs are going to come out and dominate game five. Brandon, you mentioned that these games are close. They actually haven't been. Game one was close. This is a four-point game. Games two and three were 20-point blowouts. And then three ended up being a nine-point spread, but it was actually not that close. It was like a six-minute run in the third quarter for Darius Garland. Um, so I think these games are going to be blowouts, and I think um, if the Cavs take care of business in game five, all the pressure will be on the Knicks, will be on Julius Reno to get, win his first playoff series as a Nick, and I don't think he's going to be able to get it done.
2: I hate you guys. I hate <laughs> the two of you so much. Like Brandon got done, and I was going to drop a not today satan. But now AC's on it too. Here's the cherry on top. Since 2003, four seeds at home in game 5 down 3-1. So four seeds at home down 3-1. 80%. 7 and 2 straight yeah. up, 7 and 2 against the spread, 78%. <laughs> this is so here's the problem. I bet Cavs game one. Eh. Bet Cavs game two. Win. Bet Cavs game three. And eh. said I said it on the pod. I was like, if they lose game three, I'm coming back on them in game four. I did it. And eh. do I do I keep throwing money down this hole? Because I really don't want to. Um, I will probably do it. I'll probably just do it.
1: Um, I want to ask you about unders in this series. The the easiest money you could have made for the last ten days was just betting your life savings on every under in Knicks Cavs. Here are the totals so far, the the actual totals, not the betting lines. 198 in game one, 197, 178, 195. We have not hit a 200 in the series. We're averaging 192. I believe game one closed at 216 and a half. We are down to 203, and it still doesn't feel low enough to me. Like the models almost have to go out the window. Heavens, if we get to a game seven, and we all know about unders in game sevens, Like, what is the line that you set? How low of a line does it have to be for Game 7 for you to even think about taking the over on a Knicks-Cavs Game 7 the way these teams are not scoring? I just want to know, like, the the models clearly are going to tell you to bet an over here. Everything that the model says, like, Matt, I think your model said over even earlier in the series before, you know, before the line started moving down. Do we just keep riding the under cash cow here? Albert, do you play a lot of totals? Do you like the unders here?
0: I'm not a big total better, but if there's one game in this series that would go over, I would say it's game five, just because I th- I think all those uncontested threes that the Cavs have been missing, I think they'll make it all in this, potentially in this one game here. Game six and seven is going to fall more line with the rest of the series. If necessary, sorry, game six. If necessary, game seven. If necessary, <laughs> 202 and a half is the total. For this.
1: It's ugly, it's ugly, guys. It is very 90s basketball.
2: I hate, <laughs> hate, hate the series. Well, here's what's funny is like the Cavs are doing an awesome job defensively, they're doing an awesome, they're doing awesome. The Knicks have the worst half court offense in the NBA playoffs, the worst half court offense. In the NBA playoffs, and the Cavs have let them go up 3-1. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you're wondering, if you don't follow me on Twitter, and you're wondering about the Okoro thing, I'll just do like a 30-second version of this. (laughs) Here we go. I'll do a 30-second version (laughs) of this. I would never believe in Isaac Okoro. Never. Never believed in him. Did some bet streams late in the season. Was actually like, hey, Okoro's actually kind of shooting pretty well. So I started looking at the numbers. Like, hey, since All-Star, he's shooting pretty great. He closed the season post All-Star shooting 43% from three. And the Cavs with him on the floor were awesome. That starting unit went from eh to like, okay, like Acora works. And JB Bickerstaff fucking panicked. Like the minute that the the, the, the Knicks leave Isaac Acora open, literally yesterday he missed two open threes and they're, and JB's like, got to get him out of there. Got to get him out of there. Chetty Osmond misses like, this is like five in a row. Well, you know, he spaces the floor. What the fuck are you doing? Isaac Acora, his rebounding, the rebounding numbers, skyrocket for the Cavs when Isaac Okoro is on the floor. The worst figure for the Cavs in this series, and they're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds overall because Evan Mobley won't put his fucking body into somebody, but the numbers are worst when Isaac Okoro is off the floor. Do you know why? Josh Hart, put the athletic guy on the floor. If they make him make corner threes, let him shoot the corner threes. If he makes them, great. If he misses them, guess what? The Knicks aren't scoring either as long as you rebound. The Cavs can win this series with defense. The Knicks are winning this series with defense right now. How do you fuck this up this badly? Stop playing Chetty Osmond. Play Isaac Okoro. You know
0: who would be, you know who would fix defensive rebounding and three-point shooting right now for the Cavs?
1: Kevin Love? Is it Kevin Love? Kevin
0: Love. (laughs) Kevin Love. (laughs) By the Um, way, just just
1: just to put a a cherry on top on the unders thing. If you feel like you have a read on who's going to win a game in this series, and maybe we only have one game left here, but if you like who's, if you think who's going to win, I think maybe an angle you do is just bet the, the losing teams team total under right now, like for, for game five, that's Knicks is 98 and a half. The losing score average in this series so far is 89.8. Teams are not winning because they scored. They're losing because the other team was even worse at not scoring that day. So I think, especially if you're the team that's ahead, like you said, AC, this, it's, I I misspoke. These games haven't been close. I think winnable more so just because it feels open. But yeah, the team that's ahead is going to get some free throws and some easy stuff as the other team is pushing. But I think if you, if you just play the team total under of who you expect to lose, you can kind of take advantage because like, look, Knicks 98 and a half, team total under, the Knicks could win the game. And still go under like, that's why I like this because you're buying yourself extra outs here when the scoring is this low, where maybe they're just terrible and can't score or maybe they still win even in an ugly game. And especially as we get to a game six or game seven, if we do, then that's even more in play there.
2: Let's go to Milwaukee, Miami. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, so everything will be laced. You, this podcast should be up, but you'll have to like kind of, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we're projecting um, forward. Giannis is going to play in Game Four. Yes, in Game Four, Jimmy Butler's questionable. I kind of don't think he plays. We'll see. Um, the series spread on the series is hilarious at FanDuel Sportsbook. The series spread is Bucks minus one and a half for so for them to win in six, uh, in six essentially because they have that's all they can do is for them to win in six is plus one fifty four. That's the baseline is minus one and a half, Bucks in six plus one fifty four Miami. Plus one and a half. So for them to win one more game is minus one ninety two. Um, really, just like all over the place. The total score on this Heat are plus two ten to win a series that they're up two one in the Bucks are minus two fifty five. The Heat have now lost Tyler Hero for the duration of the series with a fractured hand. Victor Oladipo, which is a really sad story with a torn patellar. Vic just can't catch a break. Also, Jimmy's now banged up as well. Uh, Brandon. Is there, is there an angle here? Help me find an angle here on heat box. I don't know what the hell to do with the series.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to give you some numbers quickly. Cause I tried to run, I, I ran my model through the numbers to say, okay, where is it? Like, is it box and six heat and five plus one and a half, all the numbers you just said, the one spot where I think that there could be slight value is just by my numbers is box to win game four, heat to win the series. I don't think that's going to happen, but by my numbers, that one it was at plus seven hundred, which gives a slight value to where where I would put it at. Really, there's not a lot of value here. Bucks and six I have at twenty nine percent chance. Bucks about sixty five percent to win the series, so basically a minus two hundred. Heat and five, so heat just to close this out and win out. I have a ten percent. I don't think that's going to happen. Heat overall thirty five percent. Heat and seven is nine percent. The numbers that I came up with, and I always do this before I look at the odds posted, they basically are pretty close to mirroring what the odds posted are. So there's not a big edge in any direction. The one that I like, and it's a little worse now because the Giannis news came out since I made this note last night, but I think just bucks to win game four and the series. I think just keep it easy. I think Milwaukee goes out, Giannis plays, they look good. Giannis, like not to overstate the obvious, Giannis is the difference in the series, Without Giannis, you have just shooting variants. And we have two teams taking a ton of threes, and we have shooting variants. Giannis changes everything because he raises the floor of the Bucks and moves them multiple tiers back up above the Heat. And I think they win game four probably convincingly, especially if Butler is out. They could not set the line high enough if he's out and Giannis is in there. And I think if they win game four convincingly, then the, the odds here Swing way back to the other side. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. So that was fun. We all had fun. Miami won a game without Giannis. Really two games without Giannis because he only played 11 the first game. But we all know how this is going to go. And I think the line moves quickly. Box game four in series was minus 105 before the Giannis news. I see it at minus 135 now. I think that that's probably still the right play. I I have Milwaukee at about 83% to win the series, assuming they win game four. That's not factoring injuries and that sort of thing. But So if you like the Bucs at more than 62% on the money line, then that means it's a good angle. So that would be my best. The only thing I'd add is this. You can't play Bucks futures right now. You can't. Because if I'm right that the Bucks are 65% to win this round, that's pretty good. That's twice as likely as Miami. That means that there's a one-third chance that your futures ticket is dead this round. Even as much as we like Milwaukee and think they're better, they're down 2 one we have to take that seriously. The Heat have been playing well, so I would not bet in Milwaukee Futures right now. The The price the books are offering is not adjusting enough for the chance that Milwaukee could just go out.
0: AC, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, my analysis on this, I've actually been cashing on this series with the overs. Um, hmm. I think Brooke Lopez, for the longest time, has been a fraudulent defensive play of the year candidate. Oof. He's Oof. not a bad player. Oof. But without Giannis, their defense is a shell of what they can be and potentially should be. Um, in the first three games, the Heat have hit 15, 16, and 16 three-pointers. So without Giannis, I've been playing overs. I think it's a contrarian mindset because you think, oh, the superstar is out, there's going to be less scoring, but not with the Bucks. With that amazing player in Giannis, um, he does so much defensively for that team. That they don't even want to play in the half court. They're running out of made baskets. They're playing in transition. They're shooting a ton of threes. And so I think the Bucks are con- uh, going to keep the pace up if Giannis is not a hundred percent. So look for uh, look for instances. For example, in game betting tonight. Uh, I, sorry, people are not going to hear this until the day after. But when you see when you watch Bucks games, I would bet overs. If you see that Giannis is not going to be 100% or he's going to rest more than he normally does, um, that's been my angle so far in this series. I don't think it's... Because, you know, Hero comes goes out game one. Giannis goes out game one. and You think the scoring is going to dip, but the scoring has actually raised up because of the pace of play. So um, if Giannis, again, is not 100%, I looking look towards the over in those games. But I agree with Brandon. I think this is... um this is most likely a Milwaukee Bucks series. Sixty, you said sixty-six percent is is pretty good there, especially with Miami superstar Jimmy Butler out. We'll get into him a little bit later, but he's been phenomenal so far in the first four games. And uh, without him, um, it could be a bigger loss than Giannis in Milwaukee.
2: Caleb Martin, that's that's my my that's no. my contribution. Caleb Martin, you know, who has the best plus-minus in the NBA playoffs per game. Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin averaging 14 points and five boards per game um, to AC's point. One reason I'm concerned for Milwaukee, uh, the heater back to what they were doing in 2020, which is just punishing the hell out of the drop coverage. They went away from it. They couldn't figure it out in 2021 when the bucks destroyed them. They are back to really figuring it out. I don't think Giannis makes that big of a difference. A lot of this is just like you put Drew into a pick and roll, you get a good screen to clear him, and you attack uh, Brooke Lopez going downhill. And you're going to generate open threes a lot of the time or pull up jumpers, which the heater, by the way, is shooting the absolute leather off the ball. They are yeah. shooting incredibly well, Ugh. like way beyond expectation. They are probably going to cool off until they see that I'm going to be betting Caleb Martin points and rebounds overs because he's probably going to have to play, especially with Jimmy's injury situation. Sixers wrapped up their series, so we're not going to talk about them. There's nothing to add here. Um, I'll just say that I am not impressed with the Sixers sweeping. Just It's not – I'm not not impressed. They did exactly what – like, I am. they met expectation without – and you can be like, well, they didn't have Joel. The Nets didn't have a team. Like, that's not a team. That's a bunch of guys that are just there for a little while before a lot of them get traded this summer. Nothing there. If you want to read more about the Nets, check out the Action Network app. Uh, let's go to the Memphis Lakers, go to the Western Conference. So Lakers dominate, dominate, dominate game three uh, in an impressive fashion. Dylan Brooks looks like an absolute clown, doesn't speak to media after the game, uh, not going to be suspended, gets ejected for hitting LeBron uh, in the LeBronies. So look, uh, I said this on, on the Monday Best Bets episode, that I lean Memphis in this game that's going to be played tonight. If they lose, which is entirely possible with where Memphis is at health-wise and all the things kind of cascading down on them. I still think they probably win game five. I think they come back and, and push this back to LA and six, but Brandon, we like the Lakers in the series. I still like the Lakers in the series. I think most of the value is gone. Wait for the Grizzlies to win another game. And then I would come back in. If this gets the two, two, I'm going to fire again on, on the Lakers.
1: Yeah. I really don't have a lot to add. I think that we've basically seen the series that we expected so far for the most part. And I know that's it's kind of weird to say when Ja missed a game in there, but it felt like that game was just like a, a Lakers letdown. We got one of these two road games, classic spot there. I, th- I thought, I bet against it, so I can only say classic spot that I was wrong. I thought that LeBron would smell blood in the water and they just go for the kill and get this done with. They didn't, but I think that's what we saw in game two. Otherwise, games one and three, we've seen the Lakers team that we thought was just the wrong matchup for them. Uh, I do like Xavier Tillman. He's playing very well, obviously, for Memphis. I like Xavier Tillman overs right now. His minutes are are really going up. He's gone from 22 minutes in game one to 32 game two, 39 in game three. And we've seen Santiago Aldama, the other big basically just erased 24 down to 14 and 11. So I think Xavier Tillman overs mostly rebounding because that's the, the safest thing he's going to contribute while he's out there. That's an angle game by game that I'm playing uh lakers catch a break with dylan brooks not suspended so that helps for game four for los angeles yeah i i to me i don't have a lot more in the series my question is this it feels like the lakers are winning the series across the bracket due to two is sacramento and golden state so that's that half of the bracket we've been talking for months now that's the spot you want to bet futures on if you are betting on the lakers if you already have your lakers ticket or if you're thinking about betting on them or if you're the Lakers, are you rooting for the Kings or the Warriors in that next matchup? I don't know if I know what my answer is, but Matt, who, if you, if you have a Lakers ticket, and I think both of us do, we've talked about this. If we got a Lakers ticket past this round, who do you want? Do you want the Kings or do you want the Warriors?
2: Kings, 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 (laughs) Kings. Anthony Davis will shoot a hundred free throws a game. Like, They don't have a, a, they have Alex Len. That's, that's like the, like, you're going to put Sabonis on AD. You're going to put Harrison Barnes on AD. They don't have the bodies. They just, they just don't have the bodies to be able to. And like, if you let the Lakers score, the Grizzlies are are saying this, right? When the Lakers are able to get 20 points out of Rui Hachimura, they're cooking these guys. Like they have enough weapons there to be able to do it. The guards will have a better time in that series with Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell. They'll have a much better time in that series than they will in this one versus Memphis. That's a much, much easier matchup for them, even with how good Fox is in terms of like steals and stuff. Like They just don't have the defense. Um, I will love the Lakers in a matchup versus the Kings, and that's not that I don't like the the Kings. It's like there's a lot of history there
0: that tends to bear out. Um, AC, what's your thought on that? Yeah, between the two teams, I think the Kings are the better team. Kings and the Warriors, but if I were the Lakers, I would rather see the Kings because again, we can't really handicap mindset or mentality, but I think if the Kings win the first round, I think they've already had a successful year. You're going to see a potential let down there in round two, whereas if the Lakers see Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson after a round one win, they're thinking about a possible finals run, right? So I think it's a different mindset there depending on the opponent. I think pure talent-wise, I like the Kings more. But from a mentality, letdown potentially spot, I, I I would rather see the Kings. AC, do you have any thoughts on Memphis Lakers as far as like a series play beyond? Yeah, we had we had a reaction pod last week, right, when the Lakers won Game One in yep. Memphis, and I I thought, okay, this is a great potential to to handicap. Maybe it's going to be a, a short series because I think LeBron has a history of, um, seeing the the possible opponent on the other side and we all expect the kings and and the warriors to potentially go to a game 7 if they if they both you know take care of home court so the king is really going to really go after it i think in my opinion in these next two games to just finish it out so i still think it's going to end in 5 personally i don't think memphis going back home 3-1 potentially would be uh, a, a nice motivation spot for them, because I think at that point they're gonna think the series is over themselves. There's just too much drama now with Dylan Brooks. I don't, I don't like to, um, to bet uh, on a team with just not like a, there's not an identity with this team as it was last year. And the only reason why Game Three was so close was Joel Morant went off for 22 straight points. Right? You don't expect that type of performance again. That's like a once in a career type thing. Um, So unless John Moran can do it twice in a span of half a week, I think this is going to be a five game series.
2: Real quick, uh, Denver, Minnesota, if Minnesota wins game five, we will talk more about that series. I don't have a lot like it's three one. The Denver Nuggets have dominated. They almost won game four. We did best bets for that series, so you can go ahead and check that out in the feed. Same thing, honestly, with Phoenix Clippers. Brandon's got a best bet on the, the Clippers in that series. You can get great analysis in that episode for time constraints and as well as, like, I have a good feeling we're going to be talking a lot about Suns and Nuggets in the very near future. So we're going to go ahead and put them to the side, and we'll return to them um, when the time is right to look at futures plays, etc. Unless, Brandon, you have anything that you need to get out right now. Okay. Um no. then let's go to the final series, which is the most fun series in the playoffs, Warriors-Kings. The The Warriors took a timeout when they didn't have any. And Brandon, your guy, who understandably is the best offensive player of the last 30 years, but like Steph's had some moments in the series, like <sighs> the, the push shot that he missed in game one or game two. And then the, the turnover off we'll the timeout and just like the rush shot yesterday, which all, which gave the Kings an opportunity for a wide open Harrison Barnes three. Like it's the Warriors late game execution has been worrisome. What's your feeling on Kings warriors as we go into a three game series now with a tied two two heading back to sack.
0: Brandon um, before you get to in the, into ooh. that analysis, why do they have an extra day? why are they not playing on Tuesday and why are they playing on Wednesday? The flight is 35 minutes between uh, San Francisco and Sacramento.
2: so this is so this is how this this goes. Um, there's two explanations. One is that the LA Kings are in the playoffs and so the the NBA has to uh, accommodate both the Clippers and the Lakers and the LA Kings all in crypto. And so that required for them to play the Lakers and stretch that series out. And if one series gets a couple of days in between, then the other series, if it goes long enough, gets those days on the back end. Um, The other side of this is like the TV wanted the Lakers. They want the Lakers. And so like this is programming plays a big part of this of the various networks being like, we want that series on this night because that's when we're programming this. And so that's, that's where a lot of this comes in, but yeah, there's uh there's not good, like none of this has good reasons. There's not good reasons for any of this. <laughs> Sorry. For, go ahead, Brandon. Brandon hit me.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. You know how I am with uh, thinking about legacy and like retelling the narrative and all that, that was a heart stopping like final 30 minutes of one minute of warriors action. And I think my blood pressure still hasn't gone down yet. <laughs> I mean, the, all I could think of was the Chris Paul game from well, maybe almost a decade ago, and Chris Paul just like, completely melted down, and it's a thing that has forever stamped his career. We were right there, guys, right there on this is it. The end of the Warriors' dynasty came on Steph calling the Chris Webber, the, the Paul Westfall timeout, and they melted down. Agreed. The timeout was terrible. That's on him. Draymond tried to take credit for that on the podcast. He says he usually reminds them. No, that's on coaching. Coaches have to tell you we're out of timeouts. Don't call any more timeouts. And that's on coaching for putting you on the spot. What was that challenge with like two minutes and 15 seconds left on the moving screen? Terrible at the time. There's a weird timeout like a minute before that, before the lo- user to lose that three minute thing.
0: Did you just the-
2: throw yourself in front of Steph to protect him by blaming Steve? You just- he did. He did. No, it's all of, of that.
1: Let's. The whole thing we were we were a Harrison Barnes shot away from the Harrison Barnes full circle revenge on them ejecting him from the dynasty to end the dynasty, Draymond suspension, and then off the bench. That's it for him. Get him out of here. End of the dynasty, end of the core. Steph melted down, like all of those things. Steve Kerr, everything is all getting tacked onto the legacy. It was like the final note to it, and now it's just gonna disappear in the next few days because the Warriors won and none of it matters. And my heart is still racing from all of it. And sure, maybe I threw myself in front of the staff train. I, I'm i going to throw myself on the Draymond train too. To play like that after you ha- after you willingly came off the bench, after all that they've gone through, to give your starting spot to Jordan Poole, of all people. A little history between Draymond and Poole to recognize the, the single big lineup versus the double big lineup, which I think, by the way, didn't work. I think they're going to go back to Draymond probably for the next game but it, it did work the previous game. I just thought Draymond to take that leadership was huge. And then to play like that, he was really aggressive. I think Draymond points over as ugly as it is, might be a thing because he is really attacking. And that's the, when he gets that mindset, he's going to stick with it. It was three of 14. This is a game where like, I thought Draymond was great. And then I'm the, I'm the Vorps and Schwartz guy. And I promise you, you're not gonna find any advanced metric that says anything other than Draymond was absolute dog crap. Like every number is gonna say he was terrible because he was three of fourteen and he had except, turnovers and all that.
2: Except what? except plus eight. Yeah. Well, that, that's
1: fair. That's fair. I, I wouldn't I I wouldn't call plus minus an advanced metric, but yeah, I mean they were good. When he was on, he was brilliant, brilliant defensively down the stretch. He had a strip, he had a block, he even on the final play, just getting an like the all the stuff that the meltdown was there but before that and in the final seconds just to do enough the championship medal the thing that we've said all year like oh it's the warriors we have to give them a credit it finally showed up and i know it all melted away for that like 30 seconds of insanity but before that the kings how many rush shots did they have down the stretch whereas like they got a chance they ran down they missed a layup on like a one-on-three and the warriors got the rebound and got it right back there was the play before all this where I think it was Monk rushed a shot on the layup. And Kerr is like waving his guys forward. They had Clay wide open, wide open in the corner for a three. That ends the game. And Malik Monk made like the defensive back play of his life and intercepts the pass and throws it down to Devon Mitchell for a wide open layup. That's like a five-point swing as well. So just phenomenal game. I don't know if there's any real analysis takeaway from all that, but I had to say it all. That said, we're two to two. The Warriors just had to empty the tank to get back to a tie series. And I don't think that this is over by any stretch yet. And I think that the value for the series is on the Kings. I think that the best value futures series bet you can make right now is Kings in seven plus 280. I ran the numbers before, like the who wins in six and seven, all that. I'm not going to go through all the percentages, but... Kings and seven plus two eighty at our sponsor FanDuel. That is a twenty six percent implied. I have Kings and seven at about thirty four percent. We know how important it is to be the home team in Game Seven. The Kings have two home games here. I just think that there's value there. I've been talking a lot, so I want to go to Albert, but I have a little more to say. But Albert, what do you think about the series first?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll have, I'll do a quick on um, on Steph Curry. Right. So if you look at his his career, especially in the postseason, he's actually had multiple, several moments of mishaps down the stretch in the clutch. But because he's the greatest shooter of all time, and I fully admit that, his margin of error is just so much larger than everyone else. Like if you have a Chris Paul, you mentioned him earlier in the podcast, if he makes a really bad turnover, he doesn't have the ability to shoot a 35-footer in your face <laughs> uh, for a three-point play, right? That really negates errors. And I so. So I think Steph Curry with you know behind the back passes against the Cavs one year with that turnover, you know timeouts here, Klay Thompson turnovers things like that. The reason why they can get through it is because of their amazing shooting ability. I don't know if it's championship medal, but it's just their their pure talent, right? They're just once in a lifetime shooters. With that being said, for this series particularly, uh, being a a guy from Dallas, it has a lot of um, a lot of similarities when Dirk Nowitzki got punked by the Warriors in 2007. He wasn't ready for the physicality. He wasn't ready for all the physical play. There's less fouls being called. And I'm really zeroing in on Sabonis. I thought Sabonis was going to have a monster series. Matt mentioned this, that he has a really terrible plus minus when he plays the Warriors. I thought he was going to be able to get through that. That was a regular season stat. I thought he was able to... Play well in the in the postseason, but he just hasn't been the same player. Um, so really, props to guys like Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, and and De'Aaron Fox to making this a two two series. But I still like my Kings. I say my Kings just because they're not the Warriors. <laughs> um, but I still like the Kings. I still think that um, they have two games at home. We know the Warriors splits home and away. Um, I'm still gonna back the team with the with two home games. And honestly what would be crazy here and it wouldn't be that surprising is the warriors go on the road, win a game five and then the Kings go on a road and win, win a game six. Like that's how crazy this series has been because it's been high level basketball, very physical. Um, and I, I, I just want to, I just don't want the series to end, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cancel the rest of the first round. Just play like best of 50 with these guys. Just ditch the rest of the podcast, ditch all the other teams and just give me more Kings Warriors games.
2: Brandon, you got anything else before we get out here?
1: Yeah, Sabonis, I agree. I think Sabonis has been like hipster Julius Randle on this series. I think <laughs> he's been totally exposed and and got pumped physically down the stretch. I think if you're looking at like series prices and how do we play it, usually at this point, 2-2, two, two, and usually historically, Game 7 home team is the most likely outcome that we have left on the board, right? Usually like I think 80% of the home team wins there. I think... Given what these two teams are and given the way this is looked at Golden State, I think the most likely outcome on the board is the Warriors winning game six at home, the one remaining home game. So because of that, I think that can shape how you see the series and how you play it. Albert, you said, OK, what if the Warriors go on the road, but then the Kings win back on the road? That's possible. It's certainly possible the ways you've gone I think if the Kings lose three in a row and lose that home advantage on top of it, and now you're going on the road to face the title team at Golden State, I'm not going to say they're dead, but I I think that that is not the spot. I think the Kings are in a must-win spot or close to it for game five. But I think because of the spot where the Kings have to win here, but the Warriors very likely win game six, and then with the, the Warriors experience game seven, I think closes the gap a lot more. And honestly, the home court advantage not being necessarily as strong. So that's why I think you isolate Kings and seven rather than just Kings to win the series, if you like it. Because I don't think it's likely that, are the Kings going to go win game five and then win a closeout game at Chase? I don't know. I mean, look, we, we the Warriors threw everything yesterday. They threw every punch. They had the third quarter avalanche and everything. And then the Kings open the fourth quarter on a 7-0 run. We're like, yeah, we're here. We're, we're fine. We're going to win the game anyway. So maybe they can just do this. But this was a series coming in. I didn't p- make a pick on the series when we did our series previews, Matt. I, I did Warriors to lead 2-1, which was my only pick, and that one was wrong. So that didn't go well for me. I Just something all the way this series has felt like it was going to be like a classic with some weird results coming I think that the Warriors still think that they're going to win here, and uh, the the Kings still are alive. I think Kings and seven plus two eighty is a bet worth making.
2: I bet Warriors Celtics finals matchup after game four. I think that they are because um, one of the things is I had said that you can't bet Warriors futures because Steph's having to play forty five minutes every game. So it's Kevin Durant. So it's Devin Booker. Yeah, could be brutal. Like. Sixers Celtics, Embiid will be back at some point. That's going to be a brutal series. Giannis is already banged up.
0: Windows there. So one one final point on this series, and we only get this about I don't know three or four times in the last decade, but we met- potentially might get a Game Six Clay right mm. if the Warriors come back home down two Boy. three. We might see a, another you know amazing performance by Clay Thompson, another teammate that carries Steph Curry. But yeah, we'll get to that later.
1: Wow. All
2: right, we'll be back later in the week. We'll get you set for the second round series if they're done and ready to go. We'll have best bets for you throughout the week. Make sure to follow AC on Twitter at NLX Capper. Follow Brandon on Twitter at Wheat and thanks Thank David Payne, our producer. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, skip buckets.
1: Action Network reminds you: Please gamble responsibly.